All right, this is um, Slow Motion with Bishop Bowser, and thank uh, the Lord for each and every one of you that are, are chiming in to view this and to listen to uh, this podcast. Uh, this is a Shafat Outreach Podcast, um, uh, Slow Motion with Bishop Bowser. Tonight, we're going to be talking about house Negroes versus plantation Negroes, and some call them field Negroes, right? Uh, and, and I want to talk about the slave mentality and a divided house. The slave mentality and a divided house. Um, most people who are black and think that they're woke would never describe themselves as a sellout or someone that um, is a part of the, the systemic racism that we that we have to deal with today uh, in America. But if you go back and you look in history, and I'm not a historian, I'm just a lay person, I'm just a, a, a student to, to, when I wanna know something, I go study it and I go look it up, I go research what I need to know and so on. So I'm not the expert, I'm not the scholar or anything like that. You know, you can go to the, to the educators for that. But the information that I do have and have um, learned throughout the years and been studying and researching and looking at, one of the things is for sure when you talk about slavery, we know that slavery was built around um, capitalism, but on the backs of black people, right? Uh, blacks that was taken over, taken from Africa and, and brought over into uh, North America, right? Um, when we look at this and when we talk about uh, this system that we have, it wasn't originally created as a, a, a system that we have today, right? Because we were in slavery. But there were several objectives of this um, slave system. And we know the number one um, uh, ideal of it was capitalism, right? Capitalism, it was about economics and making that money, right? And so how are we going to make this money? So in the South, and in many other places, but specifically in the South, uh, they made a lot of their money off slaves, especially when you talk about slaves being brought over in 1619, even some say earlier and some say later. But we know that a pinpoint date that we can nail down is uh, 1619 and on. We know that a system began to, to be developed, which with, when you talk about um, uh, economics, everything based on making that money, and, you know, there's cotton and all tobacco and all these other different things that you use slavery for. But then it became about, um, as we would say, making black people, right? Not, you know, we were considered not citizens, right? We were considered not human. Uh, they compared us with apes. So kind of making us uh, into, for lack of a better word, a second-class citizen, right? A second-class citizen. And looking at those two things, economics, and, and and turning us into a second class, not even a citizen, but second class people and, and dehumanizing us, uh, which leads to the third thing, which developed over time, especially when slavery ended, it really got worse, not better, uh, when you talk about uh, systemic racism, right? Um, uh, the proper term, I guess you would use is structural racism and systemic racism. Uh, the only difference is when you talk about structure, you look at the historical context of it too, and how it impacts us today. Um, and then from structural racism to systemic racism to institutional racism, right? And so in every uh, arena today, we see racism playing a role in some kind of way, whether it's in finances, whether it's in education, uh, whether it's in um, the criminal justice system, uh, whether it's uh, uh, in, in uh, labor, employment, in any avenue that you look at is always about oppressing and holding down black people from succeeding and from making it right but one of the things I think many people um, tend, tend to forget about when we talk about the house Negro and the field Negro <clears throat> is that one of the ways that um, they created a system within slavery that that kind of divided black folks, you know, not everybody that was a house slave was a sellout and not everybody on the field was a strong, strong soldier that, that was unified and cared about all black people. You had a little mix of everything, but 
in general, <clears throat> when you talk about the house slave, as Malcolm X gave a good analogy of the house slave and the field slave is comparing to today is that the house slave, he ate better. Uh, and I shouldn't say just he, because really it was a she that really was attached to their mistress in, as, as house slaves. But many times those house slaves uh, uh, at, at, at the beginning, they were brought in because they were most time related to the master, right? And so they were brought in as, as a house slave. And so a lot of times you had the light skin uh, house slaves in the house, and then you had the dark skinned slaves out on the field. And then if the house slave act up or whatever, they, get, they would get sent out into the field, right? But generally you had that. But then there was this sense that the house slave had a better life than the field slave, you know, his clothes, their clothes were better, their food was better, sleeping quarters were better, they were treated better, right, than the field slave. And many times we don't realize that we create these same systems today when you talk about the house Negro and the plantation Negro and how they were treated during slavery and how it created a uh, division or divided us, right, in the, um, uh, uh, in the slavery system. We still have that slave mentality today, right? Because when you talk about the house slave, um, they more than likely supported the existing power structures, right? And uh, that favor whites over blacks. That's what they did. And like Malcolm X said, the house slave loved his master or her master more than they loved themselves. <laughs> and so when you talk about that and when you look at that and, and you 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 compare it to today and and this is one of the things i want to 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 talk about is that most people will say they're field slaves or plantation slaves the most people will say that hey you know what i'm i'm um a field slave because i'm not sold out i'm not a sellout i'm not uncle tom i'm not a coon i'm not someone that um uh favors the master uh, uh over my own um, freedom and, and, and my own, um, self-preservation, right? I favor the master over that. Most people wouldn't tell you that today, you know, like the song that says stay woke today, a lot of people have that mentality that I'm woke, you know, and especially today, when we look at it from the perspective of what we are dealing with today, when it comes to the criminal justice system and when it comes to our communities which a lot of this stemmed out of slavery and then after reconstruction you're talking about uh jim crowism the black code laws jim crowism and then setting up these structures and systems of oppression through the criminal justice system with mass incarceration of 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 black people and then setting laws up when you do commit a felony or when you are on probation uh you lose certain rights right to to reduce you back down to a second-class citizen versus being equal uh, in your treatment uh, as a white person will be treated. And so most people today that's involved in these systems, they, the, those that claim to be woke, they fight against uh, 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 the criminal justice system, uh, whether you're talking about policing or uh, the court system, the judges, the the public the 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 defend the the prosecutors or the attorney that uh, defense attorney, um, um, the parole and probation the 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 prison system when they get out and then having these records and can't get a job most people tend to have you believe they're fighting against these systems right because they want to bring change and so you hear folks use terms like being an abolitionist I am an abolitionist. Um, you know, meaning that they want to get rid of the prison system. They want to get rid of policing and things like that. And and I'm all for that, too, as an as a, a believing in that as abolitionists. But the thing that we got to understand is that just because people put on the front to do that does not mean that what they claim to be woke and that they're really fighting for the people. Sometimes they can be just like this house slave uh, right here. Where they, uh, where we talk about the, the 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 house slave, or the house Negro, for the most part, they favored and they respected and they supported the power structures. They they favored white people over black people. They they loved their masters and they identified with their masters and and the interests of their masters, right? And and uh, over their fellow slaves and the oppression that their fellow slaves were going through. 
And so today you have the same thing that's happening uh, in the things that we're dealing with and so on. And so when we talk about slavery and, and looking at the division, it's a mentality that we brought from slavery all the way to here. And that's why there is so much division, right? Even when you go back into the 60s, there was a division between the civil rights movement. There was a division, and I don't care what anybody tell you, they try to show pictures of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King being happy and smiling together and things like that. And, the, uh, and eventually they were trying to bring a unified effort, but for the most part, they have always been divided. You know, they have always had issues with each other. Uh, Malcolm X called Martin Luther King and Uncle Tom, right? And and most people would see Martin Luther King as someone who um, was fighting, right, um, against oppression, against racism, and trying to bring freedom and and bring uh, uh, prosperity and and good health and wealth to his people. But Malcolm X saw him as a sellout and as an Uncle Tom, and so on, right? Because they were still controlled by these power structures. And so anytime a person is um, in bed with a politician, anytime a person uh, uh, get glued and tied into money uh, in, in whatever organization you may be in or business you may have, and so on, anytime you get tied into the educational system or the financial system or the labor system, any of those systems that were created under systemic racism, uh, you become a part of that system. You become a part of, of supporting the master, right? And favoring the master or favoring uh, what we would call today the racist or the racist system over your own people. And that's, that's part of the problem that we have today when we talk about the house Negro and the plantation Negro and the slave mentality and a divided house. Most people today still have a slave mentality. And so here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Who's guiding the conversation and who's supporting what people are claiming to be doing when they want to overthrow the system, right? That money is coming from people who are, would be considered slavery, your masters, or would be considered um, first-class citizens versus you being a nobody or being dehumanized, right? And so the problem that we have today is, is that people think they're woke and think that they're fighting for freedom and justice and so on, but they're still controlled by the power structures. And they favor the power structures, white supremacy, over their own people. Let me give you an example of that. When we talk about police violence versus community violence, you know a person has to be brainwashed, a person has to be uh, straight up an idiot and ignorant. If they're going to say that the only thing we have in our community is police violence and no community violence, right? We do have police violence and we have to address that, but we also have community violence and we must address that. When I say community violence, I'm talking about um, community members committing violence against each other and the police is not involved in that, right? But those that do not want to acknowledge that are controlled by these power structures, are controlled by the folks who are giving them the money and, and, and they're taking that money and selling you out, but they make you think that they're woke and they're fighting for you. And, and remember, the loudest person in the room is not always the smartest person in the room. And one of the things I want to uh, 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 talk to you about or hit with you a little bit for as long as I'm on here, and um, I don't plan to be too long tonight, but when you talk about um, being woke and people making you think they're woke because of how loud they are, how much noise they're making, how many streets they can block, how many signs they can carry, how many protests they can have, right? How many cameras they can break out and say they're doing all these things for their people. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go watch the movie Judas 
and the Black Messiah, uh, which was about Fred Hampton. And uh, but Fred Hampton had the, the FBI had someone to infiltrate into their ranks. Someone who who got in there as like there was a Black Panther and but and this and, and this individual um, uh, was always creating friction, was the loudest, was trying to act like he was the craziest. And he was all down for his people and wanted to start riots and shootouts and different things like this. And the same person was being paid by the FBI and being used by the FBI. And he was there to save his own butt because. Um, uh, he got arrested for something and they used that against him. But today people, a lot of, some people are getting arrested and you don't know about it. They are working for, you know, the systems, whether it's police or whatever system and to come into community and create friction and division. But a lot of these folks now are getting paid by white supremacists, you know, because white supremacy is not just on the right side, but it's on the left side. It's not just conservatives, but it's liberals too when you talk about um, uh, white supremacy and it just depends on what they want to do. And so they pay them the focus on a specific thing that they know they can't change. Right. And so here you have these folks crying out, speaking out about police violence and don't want to address community violence and why they don't want to address community violence. You look at the stats, community violence, homicides arising more and more and more. Pretty soon we're going to be back to where we were in the, uh, the, the late eighties and the early nineties. Uh, with um, the homicide rates going so high. And that's what these systems want, right? They want these systems because then you can scream all you want being a police uh, abolitionist or being someone that wants to get rid of, 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 of the prison system. You can scream all you want to want to do that. But when they see all this violence, what they're going to do is, is that they're going to bring more police in. Because you look throughout the nation, the places that they're talking about defunding the police, now what they're doing is they're going back and taking that back and adding money because violence is, is coming up. And that's what these um, funders and white supremacist folks and these people that are in these power structures with money and, 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 and power as far as politicians, things like that, want, right? They want you to just protest against police and not address the issues that's coming up in our community and so on. Uh, hey, Brother Curtis, he, Curtis says, I see. Let me let me look on here so I can get all of it. How many community activists and organizations are raging mad at the system until the system pays them and invites them to be a part of it? An old post I created from uh, two years ago. Exactly. Exactly, man. Exactly. And so on. And so and so that's part of the problem. Right. So we and, and, and so, you know, uh, one of the things that I try to get people to understand is like, you know, we as a people, number one, we shouldn't be fighting each other, right? And there was a, I watched um, years ago when I was involved in the union and um, uh, the labor the labor unions, this was before, was I pastor? I don't think I was pastoring yet. And um, Nelson Mandela had just gotten out of prison and they brought him over into America. And when they brought him over to, to America, they asked him a question. Um, they asked him a question about there was a feud going on between him and another political group, which was a black political group. And so and they brought him over here to ask him a question, to get him to, to speak out and say some things about him. Right. And Nelson Mandela told them on, on national news, he said, I'm not going to come into a foreign country and hang out our dirty laundry. Right. I am not going to come into a foreign country and hang out our dirty laundry. But today, uh, as, as you see there, community activists and so in these organizations, these folks will, will, will come into meetings, right? They, this shows you how they're working for their master. I was just in a meeting, right? I was just in a meeting uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, these black folks came into the meeting. And, you know, you got all these white people at, in the meeting. And uh, we're talking about a certain issue. I was dealing with guns. And they come in there. Who did they attack? They attacked me, right? The only black man in there, right? Besides them two being black, I'm the only black man, only black person besides those two that came in. And and the only black man, and, you know, he came in all nice to the white people, kissing their butt, right? But attacked me. Attacked me, right? And 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 when I saw that, I was like, and you all say that you're woke. And you don't realize how you're being used. 
right? And 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 they take pride in that, right? And as long as they can say, we hate the police, right? Or we don't like the police, or we don't want to have nothing to do with the police. You can say that all you want, and it's it going to fool some people, but the mass majority of, of black people and everyone else is not going to buy into that. And then what's going to end up happening, like I told you, because what these power structures really want you to do, they want you to keep doing that. They don't want you to address the, the real issues that's going on in our community, right? So that we can bring equity, so that we can bring equality, so that we can help uplift our black people and bring them out, right, of, of, of that mindset. It's a, it's a mentality uh, that goes all the way back to slavery that constantly keeps us down and keep us divided and keep us fighting each other and harming each other and threatening each other. We don't, you know, we, people that uh, in power, they ain't listening to you. That's why they ignore anything that anybody say because they know where the power is. And the people that's, that, that's funding these people, they're doing exactly what the funders want them to do. Now, we all uh, try to get, I know I do try to get funding, things like that, but I don't let it control me, right? I'll tell you, tell them in a minute, take your money because no one is going to shut my mouth. I'm going to say what I got to say and do what I got to do. I don't care where. Now, I'll partner up and work with, like Frederick Douglass said, when he was an abolitionist fighting for to end slavery, he said, I'll work with, I'll unite with anybody to do right and nobody to do wrong, right? And 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 when you talk about what the work that we're doing, um, I, I like, there was a white gentleman doing slavery. His name was Charles Finney. He was a preacher. He used his platform to speak out against slavery and so forth and be the moral consciousness in America. And and so what we do and, and the work that I do go deeper than just focusing on one issue, right? Whether it's, it's police violence, community violence, criminal justice system, but it's also a moral issue, right? We, we're, we're trying to address morality, right versus wrong. And that's what it's all about. It's about righteousness. And that's what people tend to forget. And so that's why... I, I try to focus on the holistically, uh, the, 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 the individual holistically, you know, mind, body, and soul, right? Everything about that individual, whether it's your health, focus on whether it's your mindset, get it right. Spiritually, get it right, right? Holistic approach uh, to an individual life. And, so, and some people cannot do that because they don't have that moral consciousness, right? They all... They'll scream out about one issue like police violence and so on and neglect every other area of, of a human being's life, even their own, and not taking care of themselves like they should be taking care of themselves, right? And so then they distract attention from them by trying to point out to other people, right? And they'll use terms like, oh, poverty pimp, and this will, well, what is a poverty pimp, right? Because... And and I, if, if Brother Car Curtis is on, he knows <clears throat> we've been doing this work for years and years and years and not getting no money. And they were getting funding. Right. And then when you get a little funding from somewhere, then all of a sudden they attack you. Maybe they attack because they not so much that they want what you got, but they hate to see you have getting something. Right. And that's part of the problem. But the thing of it is, is that I've been involved in 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 um, doing this work as far as being a moral conscious and fighting holistically for a person uh, since I, especially since I've been pastoring, but even before I started pastoring, I had a program back in uh, 1992 from 1992, to 1995 called let us make man outreach services. It was a gang and drug intervention program. And I actually got some funding for it and rejected the funding. Right. And went, went out and, got some community members together and raised the money that we need to do some of the programming that we needed to do and so on. So because we cannot allow money to control us, right? Um, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. And uh, what I say to anybody is follow the money. You know, if, if a person seemed to seem to be promoting a certain thing and, 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 and say they love and concern about our community, but only promoting a certain thing and not addressing all the um, uh, uh, issues that impact us as a community, they have sold us out somewhere, right? Sold us out somewhere. And and I, I understand some people are one issue person. That's fine. And do your thing. That's what I say. Do your thing. But at the same time, don't be trying to attack other people and don't be trying to uh, put down other people 
that's trying to do something different than the way you do it or don't approach it the way you do it. Because what ended up happening is a lot of these people that try to uh, act like they're all loud and bold and we're going to hold you accountable. We're going to do all these kind of things. You ain't going to hold nobody accountable because you don't have no power. You're just running your mouth and hot air is coming out of your mouth. And that's all you're going to do. Only thing you can control and hold accountable is yourself. And that's what you should focus on is yourself and quit messing with other people and what they're trying to do and attack other people. Because when you look at your life, you don't have your life together whatsoever. Right. And so myself and my mission and purpose is to be a moral consciousness in our community. Right. And that's why. I, you know, with God, I preach word. Now we got to understand something. And let me say this, and this is not to denigrate anybody or put down anybody or anything like this, but it is, but it is, it is a, a, um, a truth. And one of the things that, um, uh, um, uh, Napoleon Hill said, and I like what he said, he said, when he said schools produce minds that are empty of self-determination they have their name, these people that graduate, they have their name written on a parchment, but they have no self-determination. And so a lot of times what happened is people boast about their schooling and their education, right? But, and then they say they hate white supremacy. They hate these systems. But then I'm saying, well, you know, you're, you're a part of the system. You got education in the system and you're taking pride in that. You're taking pride in that, and now you think you're, the, you're acting like an elitist, just like them, because of what you got. But yet, you don't know anything about delivering our people, right? And that's why our people has been stuck. Think about it. Since 19, uh, excuse me, 1865, right? That's like, what, 150-something years um, that we've been free. And you have people come up in the era fighting for freedom, for liberation, and all these different things. And then you have some say, oh, we made progress. Oh, we didn't make progress. Uh, we still have a system of racism and it's still highly effective against black people and still holding us down and bringing us down. When you look at the prison system, you still have about 40% of, of folks in the prison system are blacks. And we only make up 13% of the population, right? And, and, and you still have a high rate of homicide among black people, right? 50% of the homicides in America are black people. And, and we only make up 13% of the population. And, and when you talk about it, when you talk about the destruction of the family that, that came out of slavery, you still have the same thing when you're talking about the destruction of the family. And a lot of these people that with this hot air and running their mouth don't even have a family. They divide, their families divided. And so what I'm trying to tell people and get us to understand is, is that we got to heal our community. And we're not going to heal our community by being divided and tearing each other down by working together and be united. I may not work in your lane. You may not work in my lane, but we most definitely can either be quiet or come in a room where it's just us and have it out. If we can work and, and make things happen or you do your thing and we do our thing. But what ends up happening is, is that people take pride in tearing down other people. Uh, and, and it's a poor man or a poor woman that to put somebody else down to make themselves look good. Right. And so I want you to think as we, as we go through this and I'm not going to be here all night, but as we go through this, just think about this one thing that I've mentioned to you, <laughs> Judas and the black Messiah. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Cause there are things that I know and I've heard and I've seen that I know you got black folks that's, that's making the loudest voice out there and have the loudest voice out there is making it seem as though they're woke and they're representing us and they're selling us out. You got some people that protest the police, say they hate the police, and yet they're telling on, on folks. And on the side working with the police or on the side working with white supremacists, right? You got people that's doing, you got people that uh, claim that they're against these pro-Trump survivors, uh, um, folks and, and, and these races and then they'll meet up with them and buy guns from them let them teach them how to use guns and then bring them back in our community and you're talking about community activists you're talking about people that's part of these uh, so-called organizations that are, are against all of that right but yet and still that's the problem that we have and that comes from slavery that comes from the division 
that happened. And, and, and like I said, remember what I said before is that the house slave, not all of them were sellouts. Some of them were spies and they went out into the fields and different things and shared with the field slave, plantation slaves, field slaves, what was going on, right? And what the master was up to, right? And, and, the, and, and the same thing, everybody else out on the field was in like a strong soldier and, and trying to fight to tear down uh, ab, uh, uh, or bring abolitionists, right? And helping slaves escape and, and so on. Some of them were sellouts too, right? So you have it in, in both arenas. I don't care what organization or what movement you have, you're gonna have spies and infiltrators. It doesn't matter, right? But the sad thing to it is, is that a lot of people that say that they're woke are not woke because they got a lot of, and that's why I, when I talk about accountability, that's what I'm talking about. Because when you have a lot, when you have a lot of these, lot of these organizations, when they claim they woke and they want to attack people, and I claim and I cry out accountability. What I'm saying is, you got folks in your own circle and in your own group that is not living up to what you guys claim you stand for, right? And you're not holding people accountable whatsoever, right? And so, you know, I and um, I want to I want to like um, give a shout out to um, uh, Miss uh, Francine Maxwell. And you heard about I'm not going to get into all of that, but you heard about what happened to her. And I think that that was wrong what they did to her. And um, I support her. I voted for uh, 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 to be president. And I do support her. Right. And in what she's done and so on. So that out of the way I just wanted to make a point about this right but on the other end of it the national stepped in and took her out right which I don't agree with but at the same time it shows at least it whatever they disagreed with and saw that they believe wasn't right and you know at least there was accountability there they said we're going to deal with this right and, and I'm just using that as an example. You know, I don't agree with their decision. I'm just using that as examples that you don't see that in our communities. You don't see people being held accountable. They can say and do whatever they want in these movements and in these groups, and they give them cover. They don't, they don't hold them accountable. And that's part of the problem. That's why our community suffers, right? The people that suffer is the person that's going to work every day, just trying to survive and pay their bills and live and ain't concerned about all these different kind of things. Uh, they want to be safe. You know, uh, when I come out of the store now in the name of the Lord, uh, uh, because of the things that's happening, we got to watch our back. Right. Uh, it, you know, somebody might try to follow you home and rob you. You know, you got so much crime that is going on here uh, in, in America. Most time people don't care about it till they become a victim. But we got to do prevention and we got to prevent those things. And of course, we got to address um, the underlining issues. But I was talking with some people yesterday before you can address the underlining issues in from the perspective of needing housing, needing food, needing clothing, uh, 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 needing money, finances and, and economics and and a job and all these different kind of things. We got to address those things. Right. Uh, but what you got to address first is the mentality, the mindset. And, and that's part of the problem with the folks are not addressing the mindset. And I was sharing with a couple of a young men yesterday. I shouldn't say young because one was almost my age, but some gentlemen yesterday about, you know, banging. Right. Because, you know, because people say just give them jobs. And I was saying, look, man, you know, uh, back in my days when I was gang banging, I had a car and a nice car. Continental. I had a nice car. I had a job. I had my own place living with my girlfriend. Right. And, and doing fine, doing fine. But I was still game banking. I was still putting in work. Why? Because of my mindset, right? The mind has to change. And so my mindset didn't start changing until I started reading the Bible and God started convicting me and showing me morally where I was. And, and of course, spiritually, but I'm using the morals and you're tying the spiritual with the moral, but I'm using morals to talk about understanding what's right and what's wrong, right? And and remember this, the world, politicians, and everyone else do not set the stage or do not set the 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 principle, the standards for morals. That comes from God. Anybody that's talk about right and wrong, you, you the morals come from God. That's who give you morals, Yahweh. 
And so that's where we get our morals from, right or wrong. And, and that's what it's about because God knows the way we should live and what we should be doing and so on. But you got to understand many times when you stand for what is truly right, you're not going to have, you're not going to be popular and you're not going to have everyone on your side when you try to do that and so on. And so my point here, and because I want to wrap this up, I don't want to be on here too long. But my point here and one of the things that I'm trying to talk about is regards to when you talk about slavery and when you talk about, as Malcolm X talked about, the house Negro and the field Negro and how that there was a division in general sense where the house Negro cared about love. They loved their master. They cared about their master and, and they'll do anything for their master versus the field slave that hated him. Like and, and wanted to uh, be free. Right. And and you have the, you have this same mentality today and white supremacy, the systemic racism system that is set up is set up to use it against us. Right. Use it against us. People that go get an education for the most part, not all, but for the most part, start looking down on people that don't have an education. And then a lot of people that go over and get the education, they go over there and get the education, not not to impress black people, but to impress the systems. The elitists, right? Look at me. I got my degree and all those kind of things. I always, yeah, yeah, the light skin stayed in the house. Um, uh, and, 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 and that's what I talked about earlier because the way it really started out is, is that a lot of these um, house slaves were, you know, relatives of the master, right? Mixed, right? And, and so they brought them in and, 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 and they, they, they became close to the master and came into the house and things like that. And, but then, you know, they, they really started caring about that power structure and supporting that power structure, caring about white people over black people. And you have the same thing today with people that claim that. And, and, and so, and so, me as a uh, myself as a black man in America, um, looking and seeing and dealing with all these kind of things. The, the, let me tell you one of the things that bother me about these people in these movements, right? Because um, uh, they use talking points like, "We got a lot of trauma in our community. We got to address that, right?" Um, uh, Curtis House said this conversation is long overdue. Thanks, bitch, for sharing. Like, Amen. Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. And 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 so they say things like. And, and, and Curtis lived the same life I live, so he knows and he see it happening too, right? We got to address the trauma that's happening in, in our communities. We, you know, uh, uh, we got to get the police to stop um, abusing in our community and police are mistreating our community. So we got to uh, help these guys um, uh, uh, get on their feet and so on and, 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 and get these guys with these criminal records so that they can get housing, get uh, finance, get a job and things like that. And then one of the things that I always say when I hear them say it, because a lot of times they hate me, right? And I and the thing I say is like the, the very people that you're talking about helping, I am, right? Um, the analogy I can use is that anybody saw that old, it's not old, but it's, it's at least 15, 16 years old with Will Smith in it. And he said, and, and it was called iRobot. Remember that? iRobot. And remember, there was a scene where at the beginning where he was uh, was investigating the gentleman that got killed, uh, that that the doctor that got killed. And when he went into his quarters, there there was a robot there that escaped and jumped out of the window. And so and so will chased him down and chased him to the, the robot uh, uh, a warehouse. And when they got to the warehouse where uh, the, the the robot warehouse where they manufactured the robots, it was like. A thousand robots there. He asked the lady, check and see how many robots are supposed to be here. And she said, a thousand. They said, how many robots are that it actually uh, records? Says a thousand and one. So he knew that there was one robot out of the thousand that was in their formation that shouldn't be there, right? <laughs> and so so they asked him, they said, there's a robot that should not be in this formation. And can you tell, uh, 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 which one is it? And, and, the, all the robots just said, one of us, right? One of us. And so when you think of, of, of people like myself and Curtis and many others of you, when you think about that, that's what we are. We're, we're one of them, right? The very people you say that's, that's traumatized, there's no one more traumatized than us that's been through hell on those streets, right? That's traumatized, that's being oppressed by the system, uh, police brutality, 
anybody living on the streets knows that we all been uh, people talk to me sometimes like I was I was uh uh born in the church, right? On, on the front pew and never seen anything. I've seen all kinds of police violence, right? That has happened to me, right? I was kidnapped and, and handcuffed. Police took off their badges and took me to the train track and beat my butt, right? Assaulted me, right? One time they robbed me. Two times they lied on me about something that I didn't do. And not count one time tried to choke me out and kill me. Um, there's, I've been through a lot of stuff with the police, right? Uh, uh, in a community with violence, committing violence against one another. Uh, Kurt, uh, Kurt Dahl from, or Curtis from the hood, I'm from the cold. Back in our day, we were rivalries, right? Shooting each other, trying to kill each other, things, and things like that. That's trauma that you deal with. And, and, and then you have these criminal records when you in and out of jail, some going to prison, different things like that. And trying to get your life together, right? And so you got felonies or you got misdemeanors and you got arrest records that they, they, be, they, they reduced it down to. At first, it used to be felonies, then misdemeanors. And now what they do is they look at your rap sheet. Even if you weren't convicted of a crime, they look at your arrest and hold that against you and make you explain things that charges may have been dropped on you after three days being in jail. And have to explain. They do that, the, the use is against you and to hold you. So when you talk about the people that you're trying to help, the people that you're trying to help are people like me that have that lived experience, people like Curtis that I know on, on air that have that lived experience, but yet they treat us like dogs and they treat us horrible because we don't fall in line with the way they think and what they're doing. But the, the thing that I always say is, is that how are you going to claim you're speaking for gangs and you, you're fighting for gangs and you, haven't, you, you don't have a voice in this because you haven't lived it. I lived it. And there's others on here. I know Curtis. I might miss somebody else that have lived this. I, I should have said Curtis. <laughs> Curtis Howard. But I said Kurt Dog. <laughs> um, but, but that lived this, right? We're the ones that got the voice. We're the ones that have something to say about this. We're the ones that should be at the table, right? But you got people that ain't lived this life, right? At all. But you might know people, connected with people, and so and that's fine, but you haven't lived it. So your voice is not strong as our voice. We're the ones that truly uh, uh, represent this. If you haven't spent any time being behind bars and locked up, you, you, you might can advocate and we need everybody to come together, but, but we lead this. We have the voice. We're the leading voice in this. And that's the part of the problem that we have is that if folks don't go along with what others are doing, then they castigate you. They, they, um, 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 <laughs> they, right, is that used to be, uh, Brother Curtis Howard. <clears throat> used to be, it was Kurt Dog, that's right. Uh, like Wacky Corn, it was Wacky Corn, but now it's, it's uh, Cornelius. Or, people still call me Corn, um, uh, Cornelius, Bowser, and so on. But we have that experience. We live that life. We've been through it and so on, and no one can speak for us, and no one can speak for those people but the ones who've been through it. And you have so many people that's jumping in here like they're the experts and like they know everything, and they ain't lived nothing. They ain't lived this life. You know, you got book knowledge or you got secondhand information, but you don't have firsthand information. You haven't lived it like we have. And, and, and so when you say one of us, we're the ones that you're talking about. And, and here's another example I'll give you on how, how people are, right? Uh, example, I give George Floyd, right? Uh, a lot of people saw that, un, uh, th that wrong that was done to his life was taken uh, by this police officer on TV and everything, right? And now George Floyd is a, a, a symbol, right, of, of, of police brutality and his name is being painted on walls and streets and, and his face and everything and, and people are saying, uh, uh, George Floyd, you know, and really putting his name up there, right? Now, he lost his life for this, but let me just say something in regards to this. And this is one of the things I say. All those people out there protesting, all those people act like they really upset and angry about what happened to George Floyd. If George Floyd was alive and walked in the room and tried to talk to him, they wouldn't give him time of day. That's how people are, right? They use people to promote whatever is on their agenda, but they don't really care about these people, right? 
They don't, uh, 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 George Floyd probably not even, in, if, if he was alive, he wouldn't probably even be in alignment with a lot of their politics and so on, right? And, 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 and so the point I'm trying to make in, in regards to this is, is that so many times we have people that claim that they're fighting for us, but they're not fighting for us. They're only about promoting themselves. Just listen to them when they talk and when they come in. And, and so that's what's dividing us. And we need healing. We need to come together. We need people out in the front that's leading, that's leading us somewhere, right? We need a moral voice, a moral consciousness to awake the black community and bring the black community uh, out of all this that is in right now. When you talk about uh, crime, the violence, the broken families, uh, um, uh, and all the other different things that we're dealing with. And... If folks don't start addressing, especially the rise on homicides and violence that's taking place in our communities, if they don't start speaking and addressing and start doing something to address that specifically and only want to talk about police violence, because I went into a meeting and I heard some black people come in there and say that we don't have any community violence. The only violence we have in our community is police violence. And you know that's a lot. You can keep saying that and that's going to hurt your movement. Because at the end of the day, the politicians and the people that are looking at the stats and looking at what's going on in their communities and looking at it is going to give the police ground to say, we need more money. We need more money for this. We need more police. We need more equipment and whatever. And it's going to get so bad. People say, give them what they want. Right. And, and, and you can say all you want. We need the resources. We need jobs. We need money. We need all these different kind of things. But you're not going to, you're going to always have this fight and struggle if we don't get in there and we don't start uh, uh, um, working to help and heal our communities by addressing the mindset and the attitude of people. When you get their mind right, you can get their life right. When you get their mind right, then you can start addressing all those underlining issues, right? Of course, a person many times don't want to hear you if their stomach is craving for food and we got to feed them and we got to clothe them, things like that. But I'm, I'm just here to tell you that you can give a person all those things, but if their mindset hasn't changed, you're going to still have the same problem. So we do want to meet needs, but at the same time, we have got, we have got to change the mindset in our communities. And we can't change it by the only issue we have is police violence. We can't do that if folks are promoting gangs. Whether you're trying to, there's no, there's no, there's no thing of, of sense of a, a nice game, you know, uh, uh, me being a West Coast Crip and, and, and former West Coast Crip and, and I know what, what, what these gangs do, right? And I know what some of the other gangs do. They kill each other, right? They do a lot of other things, but that's top of the line. So how I'm going to align myself with something that is violent. That is criminal. That is horrible. Yes, these are our children, but we got to rescue and get them out of that. We can't promote that and say it's okay to be a part of that because of what it represents, right? And, and, and that's part of the problem uh, that we have. So when you think about it, think about people like Frederick Douglass doing slavery, Sojourner Truth, and Harriet Tubman. I named those three. There's a lot of them that was abolitionists, and they had a mindset. They were fighting to save their people, people. But they came with a moral voice. They came with God and they came with a moral voice. And when you look at these movements today, they don't want God nowhere around. And that's part of the problem. They have uninvited God. And you're not going to solve any problem without God. Right. And, and that was one of the things that that um, uh, who was it? Napoleon Hill also said. And, and I agree with this uh, to a certain extent. Right. It says schools and religion keep people in ignorance rather than serve them, right? And I know even when I was coming up and, and being taught, I thank God that I got my life together and got saved and things like that, but it did keep me in ignorance about what was happening in the real world and being able to think for myself, right? And, and so even in the churches, and when we talk about religion, we ain't just talking about churches, we're talking about all these different religions, but specifically because I'm in the church, when we talk about the churches, the churches have got to start stepping up 
getting involved in the community like they used to be back in the 60s and so on. The churches were leading all this stuff, right? Being the leader, being the moral voice and the consciousness of the community. We got to get back to that. We got to get our churches back involved. Faye said, how do we get them out of it? I believe my 18-year-old grandson is into something in the streets. I haven't, uh, let me see if I can see it because I can't see the rest of that statement. Uh, I haven't seen him, but I'm not crazy. <laughs> I hear you on that. But yeah, and, and, and you know, there's, there's um, with one of the, pro I'm just using an example, one of the programs, a program that we have, our approach is dealing with the mindset, right? But one of the things that I tell people, there are five stages of change. And they call that the trans theoretical model of change. And it's five stages of change. At the stage where everybody gives up and where everybody like throw people away is the stage when it talks about pre-contemplation, right? And so when you talk about, uh, and when you look at it and you talk about pre-contemplation, pre-contemplation is the stage people do not intend to take action in the foreseeable future about change, right? And so a lot of time when you meet a young 18 year old and, and their mindset is there, I'm still gonna bang, I'm still gonna do my drugs, I'm still gonna pimp, whatever it is, I ain't trying to hear you and all that kind of stuff. Um, then most people just walk away and give up on them. But we shouldn't give up as long as they're willing to listen. Now, let me tell you, there's some people that ain't going to listen. Uh, they ain't going to have a conversation. They don't want to have no relationship. Get out of my face, and, it, and it's over, right? There's nothing you can do about that, right? But pray for them and, and hope they, that God meet them somewhere and, and, and turn their mind around. But most people, the only reason why they're that way uh, on pre-contemplation is because they're often unaware of their behavior and how their behavior is problematic or produce will produce negative consequences. Right. Uh, and people in this stage often underestimate the pros of changing behavior and and place too much emphasis on the cons of changing behavior. Oh, I got to do that. I got to give this up. I got to do that. That was me. I can't give up my homeboys. I can't give up this. But then when God showed me, you know, all these different things that uh, the, the, the negative of that and the positive of change. And when I saw that and really understood and could weigh my options, I believe anybody would choose the positive and choose the change. So the way we do it, we got to start there, right? With pre-contemplation, we got to start there and be patient. This might take three months, six months or whatever, but we got we to gotta have patience to work with people. And so many times we give up on them. And then once they get to that stage, it's contemplation where they're starting to think about change, want to make uh, 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 move to start with healthy behaviors and then we move to preparation getting them ready to make change then get them to move to action oh, what happened here due to poor okay oh there we go I kind of got a little <laughs> pause in the thing but I was talking about the five stages of change pre-contemplation pre-contemplation contemplation Preparation, action, and maintenance. Maintenance is about maintaining that change. But that's the stages you got to take people through. And I think people want to skip over step one, pre-contemplation, and just move to contemplation where a person is is uh, intending to start uh, the healthy behavior changes, right, in the foreseeable future. future. But you got to get a person there, and you got to work with a person, and you got to build relationship with people and help people and work with people from there. And people don't want to take that time to do that because, hey, I got funding, I got uh, numbers to meet and all these other different things that we're doing. And so one of the things I always do is that to empower a community means that all of us empower to help one another. Right. And that's what we should be doing, empowering our community. But what a lot of these folks want you to do is look to them and say, hey, I'm the expert. Come to me and I can help you and I'll, I'll set you free. Right. But really what should be happening is, is that we should be uh, educating and empowering the community to do for themselves, right? And and when, when we start doing for ourselves and understand how to bring change, we'll see change, right? We'll see that change. And, and, and we got to have the right people leading because the question I always ask is, where are you leading me to, right? Because uh, just to end police brutality don't solve all my problems, right? Just to give me a job don't solve all my problems. Just put a little money in my pocket or get an education won't solve all my problems. Right. But what can solve my problems is, is that when I become 
self-educated and when I become an independent thinker and when I learn how to do for myself, right, you won't give me a job, but I'll create a job for myself, right? I'll become an entrepreneur, a businessman and do my own thing, right? And I'm going to learn how to uh, 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 handle finances, conduct business, deal with my taxes, deal with all those different things, right? And so this is what you call empowering people where we're not relying on the system, but we do for ourselves and we support each other. Right. But right now we can't even support each other because we're coming up against each other and fighting against each other and hurting each other. And, and the community at large is seeing all this and they're just going about their business. I don't want to do with them or nothing to do with them and just dealing with their life and trying to deal with these struggles the best way they can. Right. While uh, uh, the, the white supremacy and these systems have put us against each other because some people with power have a lot of money to fund these groups so that they can continue to do what they do. And when you tell them to address, hey, let's address the family. Let's address the violence. Let's address these maladaptive behaviors, right? Uh, let's, let's, let's deal with these, these things so we can bring real change in our community. Let's empower people. Let's address the moral issues, right? Our brothers out there uh, having, making babies all over the place, right? Got three and four women, and you okay with that? Be, these folks being a part of your movement, and they're irresponsible, right? Uh, we there has to be accountability. We have to teach them, our, our young men, how to be men. There was a, a thing that a gentleman said is that he said, "I don't." He said, "The white supremacy don't fear women; they fear the black man, right? They fear the black man, and that's where the attack has been since slavery." And if we don't understand it and up, you can't uplift the black family if you don't uplift the black man. And those strong black men that are out there and independent thinkers are the ones that are casted, castigated, are the ones that are uh, uh, portrayed as sellouts or portrayed as evil and wicked, right? And find some kind of way to attack them rather than building each other up. Yes, we have our problems, all communities do. Right. And, and 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 organizations, black organizations fighting black organizations. A lot of stuff that's happening in some of the black organizations happen in white organizations, too. They have a lot more money, more millions of dollars, and they're in our communities. And nobody says anything about that. But it's safe. They people do what is safe. Right. It's safe for us to tear down each other because white supremacy allows that. They're not going to allow you to do the other and go after the other folks. Right. One of the examples that I use, and I'm going to close on this because I'm running out of time. Thank you all for coming in, and, and um, I'm trying to go through the questions if I didn't answer any questions. But um, when we talk about um, uh, these systems and, and how, our, uh, how our organizations, when you look at, um, say, a, a strong white organization coming to the community, nobody says something about it, but it's safer for them to attack one another. Look at the example of, of like, the cartel. The, the Italian mafia, the Mexican mafia, right? Even some of the gangbangers on the streets, Crips and Bloods, and so on. When you look at these groups, they're very violent groups, right? They don't play around. And so you don't see these people attacking these folks, protesting these people, calling their names out, right? Because why? It put their life at risk, right? So they're not gonna, that's not safe to do. So I'm going to do what is safe and what is safe to do and what white supremacy allow and these systems allow is for us to attack and hurt and harm and kill each other. So that's what we do. Right. We, we, we there's just not banging with bloods and crips. There's banging among educators and uneducated among the community members with different ideologies rather than everybody just respecting each other, and working in the lane. We tear each other down because well, I want to be number one. Yeah, they will kill you. I want to be number one. So um, uh, let me go through and see if, see if I can um, get some of the questions here uh, that anybody, uh, Hilton Smith, power concedes nothing without demand. That's Frederick Douglass. It never did. It never will. Amen. I agree with that 100%. Um, let's see who else. Um, uh, okay, that was just okay. Uh, let's see here. Okay. I'm just trying to find any questions. That I may have missed. Yeah. Yeah. So it looked like I look like we I've seen them all. Uh, Yahweh make a change. That's right. 
Sister Faith, you're making me want to cry. Amen. Um, especially for the people that's been in jail. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Um, I think that's about it. Let's do it. That's right. And I, uh, one of the things Sister Faith said, I think it's the brothers that don't have their dads or a man to show them how to do right. So when they having the them babies, they don't know how to be a daddy. That's right. And you know, you know, and you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the 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 main thing. But you know what what it, uh, what else what also is though is that cuz I grew up in a home with with my um mother and father. Um my father was actually my stepfather, but he raised me as his own. And um uh, all the way until I got grown and things like that. But there was other uh, factors in it, like uh, my environment that I lived in, uh, what other folks are doing, talking about peer pressure, uh, the drugs that, that got involved in the community, but also what the parents are doing, right? And what the parents are engaged in and involved in. But then also, as a young man growing up, you can watch and see your dad. So there's things I knew, right, to be a breadwinner because my dad was a breadwinner and and making sure you provide for the home and do different things like that. I knew those things, but I didn't know the basics, right, of being a man to care for his wife and his children, you know. And, and so even when I got in church, they didn't teach me in church, right? And I was doing a lot of things wrong. I thought I was a man, <laughs> And everything I'm working, I'm paying the bills. You know, hey, look, you know, I'm I'm doing the man's, I'm taking my responsibility. But really weren't doing some of the things the Bible was calling for is, is nurturing and taking care of your, your wife and taking care of your children and making sure they grow and nurture to be right and teaching them, right? Because this is important, teaching them how to be men, how to be dads, not just by setting that example, but also by teaching them. And you teach them by example, but you also teach them by instructing them and showing them, right, how to do it. And I, you know, that part was was missing, right? And and then in your mind, when you think you know it and you don't, then it messes up. And so that's why I was talking about that moral conscious. We got to have that moral conscious of knowing what's right and wrong. If we want to know how to be a man, we have to look to God and God to teach us and show us how to be a man. Right. Uh, I want to be learn to be a father. God would teach us and show us that. And so I learned through trial and error in a, in a lot of things I did. And by doing my own study and research and different things like that to, to learn what it is to be a man. You know what? Uh, what makes me a man? Right. Not just by looking like a man and growing a beard, but uh, my mindset and, and so on. So and and uh, let's see, I, I think. Uh, Rachel said, not really some boys go out and met the banger and want to be a part. Absolutely. No, I agree with that. There's more than one way to say this. And let me let me share something with you on that. I forget his name, but he actually addressed that. Right. He said that that um, uh, young men, especially if 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 they don't have some type of role model in their life, what they do is the streets adopt them. And the streets, right, they don't know what it is to be a man. So what do they teach them? They teach them how to bang. They teach them how to be a criminal. They teach them how to be violent. They teach them to have that street mentality, to bounce around and so on, be a player and all those other types of things. That's what the streets is going to teach you. Streets are not going to teach you to be a man. And, 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 and that's what end up getting a lot of our young men. Whether you come out of a, 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 a home with a mother and a father, or just a mother or just a father, single home or married home. If if that person is not protected from those streets and shielded, right, and have the right kind of role models around them, the streets will adopt them and the streets will will meet them right where they are and show them the love that they probably wouldn't show somewhere else. And 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 you have that camaraderie and so on and you feel apart and and you think this is it and this is the life. And you start looking at what they do and they start teaching. And they will mentor you. They'll take you under their wing and they'll teach you how to be a criminal. Teach you how to be a banger, right? Teach you how to do all these things that are wrong, right? Teach you how to be irresponsible and bounce around and just have babies and, and things like that. And so so it's, it's, it's I agree, and it's, and it's crazy. Uh, and, and we got a lot of work to do. And that's why I say our focus is, our focus should should be on that right dealing with dressing the black family the black community empowering us 
the black community to do for themselves and stop saying, you know, we do need organizations, we do need a lot of these different things and so on, but it's only a small frac fact, fraction, small part of the whole, comprehensible whole of what needs to be done in our communities, right? With all the oppression we face from slavery till today, right? And during slavery um, um, uh, still impacts us today. That trauma still impacts us today, right? Um, all the discrimination, oppression that happened, Jim Crow and all that, redlining, all those types of things, it still impacts us today. And so we have to like step it up and start um, bringing real change. You know, it's not about doing what these um, white supremacists who call themselves gods have billionaires that have this money that want to fund you and say, I want you to do this. And then you do that or falling in love with some white man that says he's going to lead you to the promised land, whether he's talking about socialism or whatever else, that's not going to, it's not going to lead you nowhere. Right. Uh, to set you free. And we set ourselves free, right. By educating ourselves, empowering ourselves to empower our communities. And that's what we got to do. All right. Um, that's about it for tonight. I thank each and every one of you for coming on. I'm going to be coming on every Wednesday, Lord's will. Uh, with this podcast, uh, as I said before, uh, please put in in the comments or you can message me if there's a topic you want me to talk about. Because I want to um, uh, hit on issues, especially those that are coming in and supporting this podcast. So we thank you for your support. We thank you for, uh, for viewing us tonight. And uh, we'll this is slow motion with Bishop Bowden, those that are on our podcast We'll, we'll you'll be hearing from us again next week. Thank you, Sister Faye, and we love you too. All right, God bless everyone.